morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Got every single line wide open, just waiting for your call. Go ahead and hit us with a call. We'll get you to the top of the list. That's it. You got it. Right, right now is a perfect time to call, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just in case you don't want to call or don't like to be on the radio, maybe, right. maybe something occurs to you during the week. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Right. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. There's also three databases you can search. Right. There's the vehicle questions, which gets you a short, to-the-point answer to a certain question. Yeah, those specific questions. Right. Then you can go to the detail de- topics, detail topics mm-hmm. and that will get you a more in-depth answer for a certain topic, say you're searching for coolant. Right. You want to know something about coolant? Or right. I just put one in there on preventing wheel bearing failure. And that's something that not everyone is going to necessarily have a need to know. But a lot of folks have vehicles that still have wheel bearings that can be packed and serviced. And right. even more people have trailers and boats and stuff like that that have wheel bearings that have to be serviced. Exactly. So it's a good article on wheel bearings and how to properly pack the bearings and properly adjust the bearings. That's a big thing. The vast majority of folks adjust wheel bearings improperly and cause them to burn up. Sure. And we yeah, see we that see it all the time. Even professional mechanics adjust wheel bearings improperly and cause them to burn up right and they think well these bearings just don't last <laughs> well no that's not quite it so you might want to peruse that article find out a whole lot more another little article in there on what would henry think i like that one that's a good one <laughs> what would henry well poor henry ford be turned over his oh, wouldn't right he now, <laughs> several times yeah man but that, lots of good articles like that of course the third database is the agco database and it'll give you information on agco should you choose to do business with us questions like what are your hours what credit cards do you accept how do you handle appointments how do you you price things such as that how much is a diagnosis all those kind of questions just about every question we ever receive is in that database so there's three of the databases that are on it actually a fourth which is a glossary which just defines all the terms and stuff used on the site so which is a a real good idea just to kind of peruse through it say Mm -hmm. you're doing business with someone and they throw one of those out at you and you really don't understand it right and you kind of don't want to look like a yeah you know, well, you don't, like you don't know. They don't know. So mm-hmm. you can go to that glossary, look right. it up, and you next time you talk to them, well, sure. you know exactly if what they they're say talking about. TPS. What does that mean? What does TPS mean? It's throttle position sensor. Exactly. It kind of tells you what it does and such as that. And they talk about jounce and rebound and stuff like that. Just all sorts of terms. It's terms you'll all, hear when you're dealing right, with, the, the with your car. Business, so www.agcoauto. That's Altazan's Garage Company. AgcoAuto.com. Pop on there and see what you think. I think you'll have a good time. we got Hal online. Good morning, Hal. Good morning, guys. Got yes, a quick question sure. for you, Lewis. Talking about parts, mm-hmm. is it acceptable to buy Toyota parts for a Lexus? Yes, sir. As long as the part number is the same, it's generally going to be the same part. Now, there are a few notable exceptions. For instance, like the shock absorbers between a Toyota and a Lexus are going to be different rate. Just mm-hmm. because the Lexus is designed to ride smoother and all. Right. I had an LX450, yeah. and I felt it rode too soft. So mm-hmm. I put the Toyota Land Cruiser shocks on it, which basically tightened the ride up, which is what I wanted. Yeah. But, yeah, they're the same quality of part. It's just that some of them are going to be a little different calibration on it. I'm talking basically transmission filter, oil filters. Yes, sir. That would be exactly the same. That should take, I think, a YZZ D3 filter. It's just a little bit closer to go to Toyota than drive down to Gonzales. Yes, sir. That would be the exact same filter. In fact, it actually specifies the same exact part number. 
Okay. So, yeah, that would be the exact same. All right, guys. That's all, right. all I needed. Okay, man. Have a great one. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And going to our phone lines, we got Greg on the line. Good morning, Greg. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning. I got a simple question, yes or no. Okay. I was getting gas the other day, mm-hmm. and I was trying to find some gas without the ethanol in yeah. it. And the attendant told me, says, it's a law now, you have to have 10% all gasoline stations have ethanol. Is that true or false? Yes, sir. It's not really a law, Greg, but it is true that every station in the Baton Rouge, or at least the five parish area, to my knowledge, does have ethanol in it. What they did, rather than declaring it as a law, I think this is the way it works. My understanding is they get a tax break because they have to pay that excise tax on the gasoline portion, which is 20 cents state and 18 cents federal. I don't think they have to pay the excise tax on the ethanol portion. So I think that's the way they snuck it in. And I wouldn't swear that that's the rule, but I can tell you I have not seen a single station that does not have ethanol in their fuel. And is it still true that it's still bad for your engine? Well, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but there's nothing we can do about it. Most modern cars can deal with it. Anything from about 96 on up is not going to have too hard of a time. The biggest problem is when they first start putting it in because the ethanol picks all the sludge out the bottom of the tank and sells it to you in the form of fuel. That's mostly passed. You know, when they initially started putting it in, saw a whole lot of fuel system problems. That's starting to subside because most of the sludge is getting out the pumps now. Yeah, but okay. it's not the best thing in the world. If you got an older car, it can it's not going to kill it immediately, but it definitely can shorten the life of some of the rubber and stuff. Most of the newer cars are E85 capable, and what that means, they can run on up to 85% ethanol. In fact, current administration wants to make all cars E85 compatible. So yeah. you'll pay an extra few hundred bucks for your car for something right. you ain't never going to use. <laughs> yeah, of course we're, yeah, of course we're going to pay for it. <laughs> You're going to pay for it anyway just to lose gas mileage. Yeah, I know it's my gas mileage is going down. It will. Well. You're going to drop up to about 10% simply because ethanol doesn't have as much energy as gasoline. So yeah. you're well, paying for the same number of gallons, but you're getting less energy. So just think what's going to happen when it goes to E85. Yeah. How much fuel yeah, mileage yeah. you got? The only thing we can think about it is, as bad as it may seem today, it's going to probably be worse tomorrow. So. That's it. <laughs> be happy. Yeah, you know? be happy with what you got now. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Hi. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Greg on the line. Good morning, Greg. Morning. Thank yes, you for my call. Well, thank you, sir. I've got a 05 Silverado. Yes, sir. And, I, of course, it's got a drive shaft on it. With yes, sir. I think it has two grease fittings on it. Shouldn't have unless the joints have been changed. It originally came from Chevrolet with no grease fittings. Okay. If it has uh, grease fittings on it, they've been changed. It's aftermarket joints. Yeah, how often do I grease those? It definitely has fittings. Yes. Okay, if it's got fittings, you need to grease those very, very often, about every 5,000 miles. Oh, geez. That's what's so bad about the greasable U-joints. Well, two or three things. Number one yeah. is... In order to make a joint greasable, you have to make the seal work and leak because when you yeah. put grease in, grease has to come out. So you have leaking seals to start with. Second thing is, if you don't get in and grease them every 5,000 miles, it slings all the grease out and they burn up. Yeah. A sealed okay. factory joint is good pretty much for the life of the car. You've got to seal it that doesn't leak. So it holds all the grease in. Not only that, but the greasable joints are generally real low quality joints. Oh. What you might want to consider, Greg, is go ahead and replace those with the factory type joints. And if you give me an email, I'll, I can refer you to a guy who's an expert at doing that. That's all he does is drive shafts. Okay. Because you have an aluminum shaft, and if you right. start pounding joints in, you can really do a lot of damage. Yeah, that's the shaft that came with, with the truck. Yeah, if it came with the truck, it's not going to have a grease joint, a grease fitting in it. Yeah, it. None of them from Chevrolet have a grease fit. It's been changed before. They may have done it at the dealership before you got it. 
Okay. None of them come from Chevrolet right. Reasonable. They're all sealed joints because Spicer makes those joints and they, they come with a sealed joint. Okay. I bought it brand new yeah. and, and they were on there. I'll be darned. Yeah, somebody may have changed them. They could have had a vibration. The shaft could have got bent in shipping. All sorts of crazy things happen. Yeah. Chevrolet had a pretty high amount of problems with drive shafts that were out of balance when they were brand new. You right. go test drive the truck during the, the get-ready phase, and it's shaking like a leaf, so they may have pulled the shaft out and changed something. You would be real surprised how many of those brand-new vehicles end up in the service department before they get sold. Oh, yeah. If you ever work in a yeah. dealership, you'd never think a new car equals no yeah. problems. <laughs> it just blow that right, right out of the water. All right, fellas. Thank you. Okay, great. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got John on the line. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. Yes, Good morning. Uh, 04 Suburban. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask the question first and then back into the scenario. The okay. question is, is would this be stored in the computer? The scenario is my wife was in it, been in it a couple of days. Of mm-hmm. course, they never mention what it's doing until it happens. Mm-hmm. And she was going down the road and kids and air conditioning and right. radio. and right. She looks down, the battery light's on, and she realizes, oh, I've got no power. So she's able to coast off the road into a parking lot. Uh-huh. She kills everything, starts right back up, no problems, nothing. She said that prior to this happening, mm-hmm. a couple of days, she said it felt kind of sluggish, almost like the transmission didn't want to shift. It was like holding that shift point a yes, little sir. bit longer. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm in it right now. I mean, and it's fine. There's mm-hmm. no hesitation. All my pressures, my voltages, right. everything looks good. Would that episode might be stored in the computer? You could pull that out. It might be, John. Just depends on what caused it. If it were a problem, like for instance, the idle control servo or the servo motor that runs the throttle body hung up and caused it to die, the computer mm-hmm. would flag that as a cannot control idle type code. Okay. However, let's say you got something like a battery cable that's loose and you lost system voltage and that's why it died. Okay. You would not have that in the computer because it would also clear the memory out the computer. So whether or not it's in the computer gives you a little bit of guidance as to where it is. The yeah. very first thing I would do, John, get a 5 sixteenths inch wrench yep. and go out there and tighten both those battery cables yeah. real tight. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you can turn the cable at all with your hand, yeah. It's too loose. They're too loose. Okay. Get you a six-point wrench, too, instead right. of a 12-point. 12-point yeah. will 12 round point's it. 12-point's going to round it off. Right. Let but me ask you this. That's what very about, common as a dying problem on that vehicle. Would there? Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would there be a potential issue that instead of the cable being loose, the battery might be loose down at the ground in the starter? Or would it typically be a Well, battery? no, because no, it actually, the power goes through the power center right. and okay. to the starter. So if the okay. starter lead were loose, you just wouldn't start. But it has a separate lead that feeds the power center. Okay. And the ground, I think, goes directly to engine ground. So okay. it could happen, but not as likely. One other thing, how many miles you got, John? 109. Okay. 109. Mm-hmm. That's about the mileage where you start seeing fuel pump problems on these vehicles a lot, particularly if your wife is used to running it low on fuel. It's funny you should admit <laughs> Drive it till the light I comes on and then hunt the station. When, when yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you what it's doing. It's been doing it for a while. When the fuel gauge gets to a quarter tank of gas, uh-huh. it's empty. Yeah. But it's not really empty because you go to fill it up, and you're only filling three-quarters of a tank of gas. Right. Now, up to that three-quarter, I'm sorry, you burn three-quarters right. of a tank of gas. Right, exactly. Okay? Up to that point, and there's no hesitation, I mean, I'm GM through and through, Mm -hmm. regardless of what Obama does, and I've done the fuel pump situation Mm -hmm. on plenty of trucks. Mm -hmm. 
This doesn't have that fuel pump wind that some... Well, that's one symptom, but okay. when it gets to three-quarters of a tank, you might want to consider that empty because I'm going to tell you, the cost of running those things low, Yeah. the fuel is what cools the pump and also uh-huh. gives it head pressure, which gives it a lot less work that it has to do. Right. People who constantly run them low are going to buy a pump around 109 to 110,000 miles, and okay. that's about a seven dollars or $800 deal, so... Yeah, I know. you got to drop the tank. Absolutely. Like right. Before you pull the bed. So... Okay. That pump getting weak, the fuel pressure could be dropping, which would account for it dying and also account for it not shifting. Really? Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Yeah, you might want to have a fuel pressure test done on it. Yeah. You can also scope the brushes on that thing with a digital lab scope, and sometimes you pick up a lot of trash right there, which tells you it's fixing to fail. Okay. It's a lot more convenient to change it at your convenience than to wait for it to fail on well, your wife. Then you got a record. Yeah, then you got a record bill. Oh, and and maybe a divorce if it fails at the wrong time, you know? <laughs> yeah, really. Really. All right. Okay, man. Thanks. Okay, for John. Going. Thank you, man. Oh, bye-bye. bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. Sammy, hang on. You can be straight up after this break. Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco, after 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? They try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we got Sammy who's been patiently holding. Good morning, Sammy. How you doing this morning? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I got a question. I got a low three F one fifty. Yes, sir. And I had a V six in it. Okay. And I recently changed the plugs and plug wire. Mm-hmm. When I pulled my old plugs out, one bank was a different plug from the from the other side. Really? And they're the original plugs. They got ninety thousand miles on. But they're the original factory plugs, Motocraft. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if, and the, my new plugs, of course, I got Motocraft plugs to put back Correct. in. Correct. But they were just and, a different uh, number? Yeah, they're a different number. It's just a number of change. It's a 34 FM, I think. Is a yes, sir. One. Motocraft and Delco and all those guys do change their numbers pretty routinely. They change the numbering system. It's not necessarily a different part. Could be that that particular shift just happened to catch that, that change. Built, well, it could have been the heads could have been built in two different places could have been. and assembled okay. in one. Ford had something like that, but it wasn't on the the V six. It's been a while. They ran two different plugs, one on one yeah. bank and one really? on the other. Yeah, I think it was that plants. little. I think it was that little four cylinder with the eight spark plugs in it. Yeah, they ran different plugs in that one. Yeah, one bank side to bank. had a thirty four EGN, and the other side had a thirty four EM. Yeah, and it's probably a change of production, and like Brian said, it could have been, when those things come down the assembly line, they've got the head, the cylinder head comes with the plugs and all already in it, and they're building thousands, if not millions of heads, and at some point production changes, well, these plugs go in them, and they just kind of go here and there. It doesn't necessarily mean two consecutive heads are going on any one given car. 
right. you, you would get a right and left, and it could just be the production change happened at that time, just coincidence that the vehicle came out that way. That's the only thing I could I think that would account for. It, it, it runs fine. I just, mm-hmm. oh, just curiosity was getting to me. Yeah, that can definitely happen. They don't make any particular effort to make sure each side of the car matches. To them, each component is a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. Just, just the way right, it comes guys, down the line. I appreciate y'all's show, man. Okay, Sammy. Thank you. Thank you, man. Right, Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we've got Gene online. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. Yes, How sir. are you? Doing Good great, morning. sir. Uh, I have a 96 uh, Cadillac. Yes, sir. That it won't go in gear until the motor is completely warmed up. Uh, when you say it won't go in gear, you put it into gear and just won't move? Yeah. Yeah, that's called delayed engagement, Gene. That's pretty bad. What happens is that the seals in the transmission it's got like a big piston fluid pressure hits that piston and applies it which squeezes a bunch of clutches together that's what makes it move Uh and over time those seals can get hard and when they get hard when that fluid first hits them it kind of bypasses the seal so it doesn't apply it fully now at that point it's slipping so it's very very bad if you sit there and race the motor up or or try to make it go now, uh-huh. eventually the fluid is going to heat up, the seal is going to soften slightly, and it's going to engage. Okay. Now, the fix is going to be a rebuild of the transmission. However, if you're willing to be patient and allow it time to warm up and start moving, you could probably continue to drive it that way for a, quite a while. Well, Sooner or later, it'll have to be addressed. Once it go into gear, I have no more problems. That's right. correct. Right. Yes. Once seals get soft and from the heat, they're going to go ahead and go into gear. Uh, that's called delayed engagement. Now, you might just try servicing the transmission. Sometimes that will help because new fluid is going to have a conditioner in it. Okay. And I don't mean a flush where they right. go in there and just run clean fluid through a dirty transmission. A proper service where they drop the pan, take the filter off, replace the filter, put the proper fluid in, make whatever adjustments are necessary. The other advantage to that is when they drop that pan, they can take the old filter off and they can cut it open. If they okay. cut that filter open and it's full of metal, then you uh-huh. know, hey, it's close to the end. If the okay. filter's pretty clean, hey, service it and see what happens. Okay. All righty. certainly appreciate okay, it. Okay, Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. We've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Lewis. 98 Mitsubishi Montero Sport. Uh-huh. When I turn on the, the AC, I hear a loud squealing noise. What could be causing that? Does the air condition cool okay, Jim? Is the cooling adequate? seems to be before the problem okay how about now well i mean i usually shut it off okay because uh, it's so loud well if it's a loud continuous squeal most likely the ac compressor is either locked up or partially locked up or binding you see what you've got is a clutch on the front of that compressor that turns all the time it freewheels when you turn the air conditioner on it locks it to the compressor and the whole assembly starts to turn if that compressor is dragging or locked up or partially locked up, the belt's going to slip, which is going to make a loud squeal. There's a small possibility that the belt is just loose because you got to remember an AC compressor is pulling probably close to 30 horsepower of load. It's a highly, highly loaded component. If that belt is even the least bit loose, it's going to squeal because it can't turn that much load. Hopefully that'll so, be my yeah, check that. And you're wise not to let it go squealing like that because when it's squealing, it's generating a tremendous amount of heat and it can right, actually right. bur- can burn up a good clutch. So 
check that belt. If you get about midway of the belt and kind of push up and down on it with your finger, with moderate pressure, you shouldn't be able to move it more than, what, half inch or so? It No more than half an inch. Half inch up or down. Right. If you can move it an inch, inch and a half, that belt's too loose. You didn't put some of that lubricant on the belt. No. No, I wouldn't. That's not going to help. No, sir. You might even consider replacing the belt just because sometimes belts get old and they get hard and get glazed, and even though they're tight, they will squeal. Now, Mitsubishi belts are relatively inexpensive, and I would go to the Mitsubishi dealer and buy them or a Chrysler dealer and buy them. They're real reasonable. They're in line with the aftermarket stuff. They don't mark their belts up hardly at all, and it's a, it's a better product in my opinion. Change that out first. And yes, sir. Yes, check first and see if it's tight, and okay. if it is tight, I'd change the belt. If that still doesn't do it, you're probably going to be into an AC compressor. Okay. All right, Louis. Appreciate it. All right, Jim. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, and we've got Sam online. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, gentlemen. How y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Great. I have an 01 Odyssey with 90,000 miles. Yes, sir. Last week, I took a long trip to the Tennessee mountains. Yes, and sir. on the way, I had a blowout. Okay. okay. So I had to go get a new tire. Mm-hmm. After I got that put on, I drove like 50 miles, and the check engine on came on, uh, light came on. And then moments later, the TCF light. Okay. And we continued driving. We spent the week there. We came back. I haven't noticed any performance issues with yes, the sir. vehicle. Mm-hmm. Is that a coincidence or is it? I doubt it. Seriously, Sam, what I would suspect, there are wheel speed sensors at each wheel position that measures the speed the wheel is turning. And that's how the traction control, the ABS, and all that operates. What could have happened is that when the tire blew out, it may have pulled the wire the best scenario is that it just broke the connection. You can plug it back in. Worst scenario is it tore the sensor up. Okay. Now, that would be one possibility. Another possibility is if they did not put the right size tire on the vehicle, if they put a larger or smaller tire, it's going okay. to notice that because it's looking at the speed of those wheels, and if one wheel's turning faster or slower than the other three, it's definitely going to notice it. Okay. So check the numbering on the side. You know how to read that numbering? Right. Yeah, make sure it's the same as the other three tires. And if not, you could bring it in and we can scan the computer and tell you what code is seeing. Now, there's always an outside chance that, yeah, it is a coincidence, coincidence. but it just seems very unlikely wheel speed type thing would occur right after a blowout and not be related. Okay. All righty. Well, I appreciate it. All right, Sam. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, and we've got Stephen online. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. I have a 2005 Honda Odyssey, uh-huh. and what it's doing is, during the shifting, like just normal average driving speeds, uh-huh. the shifting all the way up to the overdrive is smooth, no noticeable change. Uh-huh. You just go faster, but when it goes into overdrive, it kind of shimmies a little bit before it goes into the overdrive. Yeah, chances are, Stephen, what you're feeling, that's not actually going into overdrive, that's going to lockup. And see, lockup and overdrive are confused an awful lot because it'll be, it feels like the last shift. But what happens, that shutter on lockup is a problem with the torque converter. The number one cause of that, if you've ever had that transmission serviced and it did not put the Honda fluid back in it, that, will, that is the number one by a wide, wide margin. Like if you go and you get the transmission flush somewhere, they're running Dex 3 through it for the most part and not putting Honda fluid in it. Well, the only people I've ever had it serviced through was Honda. Okay. I would probably go and have a proper service done with the Honda fluid. We can do that for you, or lots of folks can do that for you, and see if that doesn't clear the issue up. 
if that does not clear it up, then chances are the torque converter clutch is starting to fail on you. Okay, because uh, I did What you can do next time it, it does it, just touch the brake pedal and see if it goes away. I did have it serviced through Honda, mm -hmm. and it was immediately better, but it's now converted back to the shutter again. Yes, sir. Again, everybody has their own ways of servicing things. I know thinking you go into the dealer, you're getting the very best there is, but guess what? Not always. I would choose somebody else to service it and make sure they do a proper job, use the Honda fluid. The proper way to service that is actually to service it twice, which you're supposed to do. It only holds three quarts of fluid. You fill it, you run it for about 20 minutes, you come back, drain it, and fill it again, and there's, there's a certain fluid you're supposed to put in. Okay. Like I say, if that does not clear it up, then you're probably into the torque converter clutch starting to fail, which is going to involve a fairly major repair. You're not under any warranty any longer. No, sir, I'm not. What, yeah. what kind of cost is involved? Pretty involved. Transmission's got to come out. Transmission's got to come out, replace torque converter at the very least. Chances are, if that's the case, you're going to start getting the check engine light before too much longer, which is going to have a code P0740 because the computer's going to pick it up when it gets bad enough. Okay, thank and, you uh, so much. All righty, man. Bye-bye. And we're going back to our phone lines with Carol. Good morning, Carol. Uh, yes, I have an O2 Silverado. Mm -hmm. That won't go into park. It can shift to reverse or drive, but it won't go into park. Okay. It just, just physically won't go into park? Yes, sir. The handle will go into park, but the transmission doesn't? Or does the right. handle not move? No, no, it doesn't. The handle don't. Yeah. Okay. A lot of times, Carol, we're seeing the shift control cable on those get bad. And what you may notice, or you may not even notice it, is that it gets harder to move between gears also. Some people, it kind of comes on them slowly and they just think, hey, this is the way it shifts. But if you're getting one that's not doing it, you'll feel it moves much, much easier. That's the number one reason for that. And we do change those shift control cables quite a bit. They run down from the shifter all under the carpeting and stuff down through the floor. It's kind of a long cable, and they tend to rust and corrode up inside, and it gets hard and then they'll start binding where they won't go either into manual low or park, depending on which way it shifts. Okay. If not that, it's going to be something inside the steering column, something in the mechanism. Okay, and what is the price on the cable? Fairly expensive. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour job to change it, and I think the part's probably a couple of hundred dollars. You're probably looking around three, $400 at least. Okay. And what will happen, you're going to have to fix it, because if that's what it is, it's going to break, and then you're not going to move. It's going to okay. leave you stranded. Okay, thank you. All right, man. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. All right, we're going to take one more quick little break. Randy, Randy, David, hang on. You guys will be straight after this break. Hey, Lewis Alzan, Magco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and you won't believe the people calling in to congratulate us. Hey, Lewis, it's Jay. You, you know, I'm in the cars myself, and 40 years of business is amazing, just amazing. You know, if I still had my show, I'd have you in the interview chat just like that. Mr. Altazan, congratulations from your old pal Jack. Forty years is quite an accomplishment, and that's the truth. I should know, because I can handle the truth. Uh, uh, Lewis, it's, it's me, Oz. Forty years. I, I can't even... bloody amazing. Sharon, where's my cell phone? Oh, that's right. I, I, I'm on it. Now I've got to find my glasses. Well, it's been really nice getting all these calls. I guess in this day and age, people really appreciate an automotive repair shop that does good work and will never steal your own. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome. 
back. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And we're going right straight back to our phone lines. We've got Randy on the line. Good morning, Randy. Yes, hello. Good morning. Uh, how are you doing? Good morning. Doing great. I have a transmission problem with a okay. 95 Mazda 626. Yes, sir. When it first cranked the car up, it goes in reverse fine. It goes in the drive fine. Okay. You can drive it maybe about for two minutes and stop pulling many gears when mm-hmm. it needs. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Randy, that is almost always going to be a total failure inside of the transmission, and what is happening is that the filter is becoming restricted from the clutch material and debris that's in the case. And what happens when you turn it off, the fluid runs back down through the filter, which kind of washes it out temporarily. So when you crank it up in the morning, it takes off fine. But as soon as it sucks up enough of that debris, it's going to plug it right back up again, and it's going to quit moving. That's almost always going to end up a total rebuild. And on that particular car, that's a killer. I mean, it's, it's probably more than the car is worth. Yeah, that's what everybody tells Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you <laughs> might see if you can find a used transmission somewhere. That might be a practical way to do it. I know when we rebuild those, hadn't built any recently because it generally totals a car. <laughs> but pretty complex transmission on them, pretty expensive. And, and usually when they tear up, they just wipe out. I mean, there's not much left there to work with. Okay, so we're not changing the filter and fluid. You could, yeah, I mean, you could drop the pan if you want to, cut the filter open, but if it's all full of metal, which it's probably going to be, you got your answer right there. Okay, I appreciate it. All right, Randy. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. And we've got Ben on the line. Good morning, Ben. Uh, Yes, I have a 2004 DeVille. Yes, sir. And it says use a certain kind of antifreeze. And I have a 1994 Ford uh, 150. Yes, sir. And can I use the antifreeze that i put in the car no sir you can't use that in no sir that's totally different on your deville it's going to take dex cool right which is a a hybrid organic acid technology coolant it's orange in color and it it uses an organic acid as a corrosion protection strategy okay on your ford you're probably going to take the green stuff a few of them take a yellow coolant but it's probably going to be green on that one which is a silicate and phosphorus corrosion protection method Okay. So they're both ethylene glycol from a freeze standpoint, either one would work fine. But from a corrosion standpoint, they're totally, totally different, and they're not compatible. Okay. So, so they, you're going to need to put the right one in each one. Okay. I, pre- I appreciate you. All right, Mr. Ben. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. And we've got David on the line. Good morning, David. Good morning, Jason. How y'all doing? Doing great, great, sir. Good. And I, won't, I try not to take too much of your time. Sure. I have a 98 Saturn yes. little four-door. Yes, sir. And it's just turned 60,000 miles. It was someone tow-behind vehicle for Mm -hmm. a motorhome. Okay. And it was running great, and I noticed that I'm getting some oil coming out of the front of the motor. Look, maybe like a crankshaft seal or something like that. Yes, could very well be. Is that very hard to do, or what do you change when you do that? It's not terribly hard, David. You're going to have to probably take the front motor mount off, pull the harmonic balancer off. Right. And the biggest thing is you want to examine that harmonic balancer real close. Because they're kind of bad about getting a groove cut in there where the seal rides. Okay. If it's got a groove cut in it, then you have to change the balancer because putting a new seal will just stop it for a matter of weeks. It's going to come right back again. So if the balancer is good and smooth and just the seal has failed, you just pop out the seal, knock a new seal in, and put it back together. But you have to check it real close. Any kind of groove in that balancer is generally what the problem is. Now, one last thing, David, it's a little part called a PCV valve, positive crankcase ventilation valve. Yes, sir. Go ahead and replace that as well. It's real inexpensive okay. and real easy to change, but that sucks the pressure out of the motor. 
okay. what happens if you start to get positive pressure in the motor, it's just going to blow the weakest seal first. Uh, okay. And you may change that one, and then the valve cover blows out, and you change that, and the rear main seal blows out. And it's, it's uh, because having positive pressure building up in the motor. Okay. So change uh, that little valve as well. I mean, since I have to take the harmonic balancer off, is there anything behind the, I mean, should I do the timing belt and all that stuff also? That one's going to have a chain on it, I think. With 60,000 miles, I don't think I would go to that expense because that's quite a bit more work. I mean, okay. you got the balancer off, yes, but you're just barely there at that point. Okay, you might great. look real good at the water pump, and if it looks like it, because you're kind of close to the water pump, and you only got 60K, but you also got 11 years on it. I got years, yeah. So you might want to look at that water pump real close. If it's not leaking okay. at all and the coolant's clean, I probably wouldn't worry about it. But if it looks kind of funky, it'd be a good time to change that. But the timing chain is quite a bit further down in there, and at that lower mileage, I mean, they've had some trouble on Saturns with timing chains, but they generally are not going to give too much problem to up around 150 or so. Okay, great. All righty. I certainly appreciate it, and All I right, enjoy David. your commercials, Well, too, thank you, sir. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. I've got Randy online. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Guys. Doing great. Hey, look, you got a, 40, uh, a 99 Ford Explorer. Uh-huh. I bought it used uh, several years ago, so I don't know what maintenance was done on it before I got it. Mm-hmm. It was running fine for a while it started now to have a really loud rattling noise within the engine sounds very metallic sound yeah i uh, took it to the dealer he said well you might as well put a rebuilt engine in it okay what did he, he diagnose the problem as i'm sorry what did he diagnose the problem as being he didn't really tell me he was so bad he said he should just put a motor engine it's drivable doesn't affect the performance drastically yes sir there's two major problems is it a four liter Yes. Yeah, there's two major problems with the 4-liter. One, not too bad. The other one, real bad. The minor one is the timing chain tensioner was notorious for going out. They were actually under recall for a while, but I think that's ended. But you can change the tensioner without a huge amount of trouble. I mean, it's probably a few hundred dollar deal, but if that's the case, you need to do that immediately because if not, you could break the timing chain, which will tear the motor up. The second is they've had a fair amount of trouble with those engines dropping valves. They had some trouble with the valve springs either breaking or collapsing, and the keepers come out, the valve goes down, hits the piston. But if that was the case, I think you would have a real, real severe loss of power, and you'd know something was wrong. Yeah, no, I haven't had a a noticeable loss of power. I would almost Uh, bet you got a rattling timing chain. Obviously, uh, they would like to sell you a motor, but... I mean, a lot of times that can be repaired. That's interesting because I took it in on a recall mm-hmm. for that, and they didn't tell me what it was for. They just said it was a recall on it, mm-hmm. and I took it in, and that's what they told me. I needed to just go ahead and put a rebuilt engine in it. So, uh, sounds like I need to take it somewhere else. Yeah, well, you know, rebuilt engine is going to come with a new tensioner. Exactly. <laughs> so that's going to fix the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll get an independent look on where are you guys located. Uh, Dave, why don't you go to our website, Randy's got a, a thing that'll tell you how to find us anywhere in the world. That's uh, agcoauto.com. That's very good. Appreciate your help. Okay, All right, man. thank you. Bye bye. And we're gonna take one more call for our break. We got Sarah online. Good morning, Sarah. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, doing great, ma'am. ma'am. I have a question. I have a Malibu, a two thousand Malibu, uh-huh. and sometime when I start try to crank it, mm-hmm. the Self-signal light comes blank zone, and it won't crank them for 10 minutes. What's my problem? That is going into security mode, Sarah. There's a number of things that can cause that car thinks it's being stolen. So it's going to arm the theft system, and it's not going to let you start it. The most common reason, 
not the only but the most common reason is the ignition switch there's two little wires that go to a sensor that senses when the cylinder turns those little wires tend to get brittle and break over time they may make contact 90% of the time, but maybe 5 or 10% of the time they, they won't, and when they don't, it's not going to start. And the next time, it, they may make contact and go ahead and start. So that's one of the things. Another thing is the body control modules go out in them quite a bit. When the body control module goes out, it just doesn't acknowledge the signal from the switch. But it's going to be something in that area. Fortunately, that car, even being a 2000, should store some data. So as long as the battery has not been disconnected or anything like that, a person with a Tech 2 GM tool should be able to go in, retrieve codes, and at least put them in the right direction to find that problem. Okay. And I'd go ahead and get it done as soon as you can, because one day it's just not going to start at all. It's going to leave you stranded. Okay. Thank you a lot. All righty, ma'am. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we've got Kurt online. Good morning, Kurt. Uh, Listen, I have a 2004 F-150. Yes, sir. Super Crew. And what it is, probably about the past year and a half, I've had a little tapping noise. And whenever you press the accelerator, it'll, it'll tap a little louder. And mm-hmm. I've looked for exhaust leaks and what have you. And uh, somebody told me to change the cam phase. I changed that. It didn't do anything. And I was just wondering, a lot of people say it's uh, those 2004. Once you start hitting about 60 or 75,000 miles, they get that little noise. They and- do. That There is actually a bulletin out for that noise. What Ford says, if you cannot hear the noise inside the cab with the motor running, then don't worry about it. That's Ford's advice. I got you. If it's louder than that, they've also had a lot of trouble with the timing chain guides on those engines, uh-huh. and that chain will rattle like that, which is a pretty big deal. That's usually first thing when you start it up, you'll hear that. I've had other people tell me something about the valves. Is that a part yeah, of the, the, the timing chain guides uh, are kind of notorious on that engine, particularly okay. if you've been running a non-Ford oil filter on it. Don't okay. mention any names, but some of these filters they sell in the parts stores or at the quick lube places don't have drain back valves. So when you crank the engine up, all the oil is drained back into the oil pan, which yeah. jerks on the timing chains, which can actually cause those guides to break. So what I would probably first try, Kurt, and this is just trying and certainly not going to hurt you, is get a Motocraft FL820S oil filter and okay. go to... 5W20 synthetic blend oil. No matter what you've been using in the past, that's what I should be using, in there. I am using 5W20. I okay. remember I, I, mean, you, I grew up 10W30. Right. Using the synthetic know, blend? Not sure. I yeah. know 5W20. But yeah. I'll, it, it needs to be synthetic blend. That's what that engine calls for. Okay. Put that in there with the FL820S. If the noise continues, then you can hear it inside the cab, then it's probably going to be timing chain guides on it. Well, I can hear it right now. <laughs> yeah. You might okay. want to get get a shop to look at that because if that guide breaks, it's going to really tear up a lot more stuff. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you much. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take one more quick little break and be right back with more. Dave and Joey, hang up. You guys be straight up after the break. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters, and I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Louis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. Oh, donuts. 
Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco. Between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. We still got a few more minutes. We'll try to catch as many calls as we can. We got Joey online. Good morning, Joey. Hey, Louis. Good morning. Hey, man. I got a 04 GMC with a Duramax. Okay. It's lost prime in probably the past six months about three times. Just And I'm just wondering what that could be causing it to happen. I have to... It'll just quit running. I have to go out there and pump up, you know, press the button. Yes, sir. A lot of times on that, Joey, the fuel filter seal is not in there exactly right. Right. And it can draw air in around that. I'm not a diesel expert, okay. but I know we have seen where if the fuel filter's not changed, it won't leak, but it'll suck air. Right. Some kind of way. And and yeah, that's I one of the common things. Somewhere. It's, it's got to be drawing air in that system somewhere. The only other thing I can think of would be the lift pump itself. Maybe some way or another is drawing some air in. But air's got to be entering the system because it acts basically like a hydraulic system, right. almost like brakes. If right. it gets any air in, it's going to do that. Gotcha. All righty. Well, okay, man. It. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, and we got Dave online. Good morning, Dave. Hey, good morning. Just a quick question. Sure. I've got a 2008 Chrysler Sebring. Yes, sir. It only came with one factory key and so we had a copy made uh, in case we needed it but yes. if you use the copy and the ignition uh-huh. uh, it starts up and then it dies <laughs> much like it goes to misfiring or yeah it crazy. should die on you yeah because the key has got actually a chip in it you're going to have to go back to a dodge dealer and have them make that key you know if you go to a, a locksmith or something he can make one it'll turn the cylinder but it doesn't have the right chip in it well the, it was just a, a regular door Type key it's not. It's, right. it's got. It's, it's actually got a chip in up up inside that plastic part top. It doesn't look like it, but it's got a little chip in there, and it, okay. and it recognizes it, and it's got to be programmed. If you buy it, like I said, if you buy one from a locksmith, it'll look exactly the same. It'll open the door fine, but it right. it will not run when you, when it starts because it doesn't get the acknowledgement. So when when that happens, it's gonna, the computer's going to shut it down. But it's not one of the two hundred dollar keys that yeah. that's yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah, you could just have to go. I've always just gone back to the dealer and have them give them the VIN number, and they can make you a key and, and with the right chip. That way, you won't have that problem. Okay, thank you very much. All righty, man. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, see, we got time for one more call. Yeah, why not? We got Jason online. Good morning, Jason. Hey, man, I got a '96 Ford Bronco. I think I'm having some oil problems. I don't know if it's just oil or it could be leaking out somewhere. But I'm not showing any oil leaks. But I changed the oil maybe a month ago and uh-huh. didn't put under a thousand miles on it. And I, I, my dipstick uh, looks dry every time I pull it out. Yeah, did you change the brand of oil, Jason, that you were using? I did change the brand. I may have messed up. I went with a, a synthetic blend when someone should have said I should have stuck with the older oil. Right. When you change brands, a lot of times it's not that one oil is not as good as the other, but they're different. They're not compatible. And that okay. can very often make them start using a lot of oil right okay. soon. What I would do is go back to the old oil brand. It may continue to use oil for a couple of changes, but it may take up too. Okay, so man. I try that and see. I've seen that. I can't. I've never been able to explain that, but I know it happened. It happened to me one time. Yeah, the car sat up for two years, and I just started right. getting back going. They and, uh, just don't. They don't like right. to change oil brands. So I, I go back to the original oil in there and see what happens. Okay, cool, man. Thank All right, thank you, Jason. Bye bye. All right, just in case you didn't get a chance to get your call in. That's right. You can always go to our website and get your questions answered there. It's agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O, 
A-U-T-O.com. And what's that stand for? Altazan's Garage Company. That's it. That's a way to remember it. I had a customer come in the other day. He said, man, I, y'all say that so fast. I can't even get it. I said, yeah. well, there you go. I'm going to put that in there. <laughs> it's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Pop on there and see what you think. Tons and tons of stuff. New stuff being added just all the time. That's it. It's a so. great place for uh, reference. That's it. I think you'll really like it. Hey, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. <laughs>